0: Crescent and welcome to the Great British Drafting Show, Panthers <laughs> Draft Podcast, a proud part of the Riot Network, powered fight All Carolina. Joining me today, as he will be every week, is Vincent Richardson, draft Hello. analyst for the Riot Report. How are you doing, mate?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm okay. Life's all right.
0: We've got pretty lousy weather here in London. I don't know what it's like in Italy for you.
1: Uh, I haven't really been outside today, if I'm honest. Uh, it, it's yeah, it's been <laughs> grinding those... the tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. So yeah, I, it's been it's been lovely and sunny this week, but um, quite cold, like minus eight kind of cold, which in America oh, wow. is uh, yeah. I don't know. Not really. Minus... What you
0: think of when you think of Italy, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's in it's, it's yeah. I'm quite a long way up a mountain, so in the winter it does get a bit fresh, particularly when there's absolutely no cloud cover. It means in the yeah. day in the sunshine it's great, but as soon as it gets sort of vaguely dark, it's suddenly oh it's very cold now. Yeah. Still.
0: Yeah. Winter's not great. <laughs> not a big fan.
1: No. Yeah. Uh, eh. One of the weak seasons. Yeah, I think I prefer it to autumn. Autumn can get really down. Anyway, anyway, what are we doing here off. with
0: this podcast?
1: Yeah, we're talking about yeah. draft stuff, aren't
0: we? Yeah, we are. Specifically for the Panthers.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah, specifically for the Panthers. That's, that's, that's almost the entire point. Yep.
0: Right. And uh, what position group are we looking at this week?
1: <laughs> we are looking at the wide receivers this week. Yep.
0: So we're not necessarily spend a large portion of our time talking about the very top guys uh, that you might get on other draft podcasts. We're going to do things from a Panthers perspective. Uh, see yeah. who they're likely to get all sort of to supplement uh, the stuff that's going on, on the right report as part of draft coverage.
1: Yeah. As part of the scout cam coverage. So there's going to be a big board published in the right report. It might got before or after this podcast. And on top of that, we're going to do player profiles on three players who we'll get to in the course of this podcast.
0: Okay. Vincent, do you want to uh, sort of uh, look at who the, the Panthers got sort of review that briefly before we look at the college guys?
1: Yeah, I think that's probably helpful just, just to sort of set the tone as it were. Um, Obviously, I think DJ Moore being the first-round pick last year, he's going to be expected to step into a bigger role. Um, same with Curtis Samuel sort of coming off an injury last year and then sort of moving into a bigger role as last season went on. I think the Panthers probably feel fairly happy with those two. They're sort of one and two, which all that is, is not totally clear. Yeah. And Jarius Wright did a pretty nice job in the slot. Um, Devin Funchus is probably the big name who's almost certainly gone based on the amount of money he's likely to attract in free agency. The Panthers just don't have that money to spend on it probably borderline starting receiver uh, for them at least um and then the the i mean demir bird's probably coming back but uh, on, on what kind of deal is probably uncertain i mean i wouldn't expect him to definitely make the roster i think he's been injured so much now that he's gonna be a bit of concern and then the other big question is tory smith it, it's you know it, are they willing to to move on from him given that he's probably is. Almost certainly being overpaid for what he does, but do they do they view his leadership stuff as, as worth that and that will be interesting to see, but potentially i mean I think they're probably definitely going to have to replace Funchus and it could be Funchus and uh Smith in terms of um sort of you know game day receivers
0: yeah and I mean uh, looking to the draft it's it's pretty hard to see the the panthers selecting a wide receiver in the first round this year. Um, oh yeah, given I mean, how they, they selected think... DJ Moore last year, yeah. If they are going to get yeah. a wide receiver, probably mid to late rounds, I would imagine. And yeah, I thought day, probably, day day three,
1: yeah,
0: and probably someone who isn't necessarily the same as DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel, maybe more of a possession receiver. I would imagine to replace yeah. Funches if he does go.
1: Yeah, and, and also someone to help them in the red zone. I mean, I think the one thing that is potentially a bit of concern for the Panthers receiving core if Funches does go is they're then very very small. And whilst that's not really a problem for. Eighty percent of the field. When you get into the red zone, it is nice to have someone who's not necessarily, you know, six foot five, but a bit, you know, six foot two, six foot three, who can kind of offer more of that contested catches type type skill set.
0: Yep. Uh, before we actually start looking at uh, the wide receivers that can do that and that the Panthers might be interested in, given that this is the first position group we're looking at, uh, we think it's probably a good idea to sort of do a brief uh, overview of how we scout college prospects. Yeah. Uh, do you want to start, Vincent? Because I know you tend to do things a bit differently from uh, most draft analysts.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of draft analysts focus on some things that I don't tend to think are important. And again, some of this is personal preference. Some of this, I think, is, is borne out by data. Um, I, I don't put a huge amount of stock in college production, not because I don't think it's at all helpful. I think it is worth taking into account to some degree. But there are some really great college players who've been horrifically poor in the NFL. And there have been some guys who did absolutely nothing in college and then became stars with a, you know, a year or two's development in the NFL. I think it's the production bit just doesn't really give you that much of an indicator and you can get lost in that to a certain degree. Um, I also don't put a huge amount of stock in just raw athletic numbers. So, I mean, it is nice to have a guy who runs a fast 40, but not just that you actually want to see that speed on tape. And more importantly, you want to see that speed being used beyond just being fast. Um, so what I tend to do is, particularly for receivers, say, for example, is you want to focus on tangible skill sets. So you want to look at, one, you do want to see how athletic they are, but in, 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 not in a deterministic kind of way, just as an indicator of what, where their potential might be. And then in terms of their real value will come from the ability to separate, particularly against man coverage. So you want to see release off the line against press. You want to see the ability to separate using routes, both in terms of low-speed cuts and high-speed cuts, and understanding of how routes get you open. Then you want to see the hands both to make simple catches and then potentially more advanced catches, such as contested catches or catches distinctly not where you'd want the ball to be. And then you also sort of give some value to things like yards after the catch, blocking ability and ability to sort of know compete uh, and jump balls and stuff, uh, which are all nice things for a receiver to do. But if that's the core of your game, you're probably going to be limited to being a rotation piece rather than the star player.
0: Yep. Um, my sort of approach to the draft is, well, scouting is difficult uh there are sort of two phases to scouting one is uh accurately determining uh what the players are good at so what their different skill sets are um and then the harder part is then with all that information deciding whether that makes them a good player what kind of things do you uh wait in favor of uh others yeah. no, uh, that's, mean... that's, that's that's really difficult to do
1: I mean that's not that's not just the case for for college players. I think one of the, the the really significant challenges for any kind of analysis in the NFL is how you you turn performance into value. I mean not not to go on a massive tangent, but I think that's one of the things that PFF have kind of really struggled with: is how do you turn how well something someone does a task to how valuable that task is? And, and I mean that that's almost impossible to actually quantify. So I mean it yeah. is impossible to quantify at this stage, but that that that's the real the real challenge is to, is is not just how good is someone at what they do, but how valuable is what they do as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so with a draft, I don't think there's a silver bullet in terms of uh, shortcutting your decision on how good a player is in terms of, or, you know, are they fast or have they got good combat no. scores or whether they're productive. And instead trying to see the whole picture, which can be difficult to do. Yeah, um, and build, so building building that I,
1: picture up.
0: Yeah. So normally when I watch guys, I uh, sort of write down uh, for each position what, things I'm looking for um, and then for each guy I grade them out of 10 uh, both like a minimum estimate and a maximum estimate which gives me the ability to uh, quantify how uncertain I am about a particular player you know for example if uh, a guy let's say like Marquise Brown who's never uh, faces press release um, in college he's pretty difficult to judge how good his release is uh, just because he hasn't seen it so that's a large uncertainty Um, and then at least you know being cognizant of what things you should be looking for does help because it can be oh, yeah, easy yeah. to get lost in the highlights and the spectacular place. Oh, yeah. no,
1: I, I, think, I think that's definitely true. I, th- I think, I think certainly the, the, the grading play by play bit for each skill set and giving an error, I think is ideally how I think anyone should want to do this. I think the issue then becomes time effectively. I mean, you know, there, there are you know, 400 people probably who are at least some chance of getting drafted uh, and, while an NFL team might have 20 scouts, you know, we don't have that. So I think that, you know, in, in in all sort of you know, um, honesty, we, we there is a degree to which we have to sacrifice. It, you either have to sacrifice breadth or depth um, yep. it, when you're doing it the way we have. But hopefully, we we you know, I've watched a reasonable tape for every single guy we're going to talk about, um, and I've tried to you know do that to a certain degree without going back and scoring every play on every single category just 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 for time constraints.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and one thing I'd like to add before we move on to our approach mm-hmm. to scouting is I tend to watch prospects from previous years as well just to give some comparison to yeah, yeah. What I'm that's important as you. well because uh, you know if you have a really bad class one year um, and you're just grading guys relative to each other you can lose sight of a bigger picture
1: yeah no, I think that's, and that's also, absolutely true
0: and also it helps to see what sort of uh, skill sets are valuable in the NFL um, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and, and it's always good to sort of you know we talked about this before but sort of go back and and look at where where you've made mistakes in the past and try and fix where you've gone wrong. I mean, that that you'd be foolish not to do that. But should we move on to the actual big board and the the players yep. what are in the draft?
0: Yep, um, surprising name perhaps the some as number one on your big board, Anthony Johnson of uh, Buffalo.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's not to be too negative, but I think he's the best of a bad bunch to a certain degree. I, I would think this is a you know from my perspective, this is one of the worst receiver classes I've seen. Um, in a, in a really long time, not not because I don't think there's players who can become good. I think you're going to talk about more in a second, but there there are there is almost no player. I don't think there is any player who I think could start from day one and be a quality above average starter. Uh, I, I, you, know, you 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 you've every player is some kind of compromise to a reasonable degree between immediate impact and long term um, potential. And I, I think I have sort of a late second round grade in anti Johnson, and that's my highest grade receiver. Uh, and there's 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 a reasonably compact group behind that I, I, you know once you, once you get sort of the the third and fourth round grade, grade, graded guys there's a lot there uh, there's a lot of guys who who there's, there's stuff they do well but it, they're not complete guys but there's there's very i don't think there's any sort of complete receiver in this draft class at all
0: yeah i think there are a lot of uh, guys with their own niches and yeah. uh, can sort of fill a particular role in the nfl but i don't think there's an all round great wide receiver in this draft class no uh I'll, I i wouldn't really want to take uh, a wide receiver in the first round, which is good for the Panthers, I guess, yeah because yeah you know, a couple of guys are going to be taken early because of yeah,
1: that people will reach i mean it, it's it happens every every year you pretty much every year there's there's a poor class at a particular position, someone ends up reaching for someone at that position anyway because they feel they have to get someone
0: yep uh do you want to say about what anthony Johnson does well
1: yeah, I think he he's so he he's his value is more in terms of his immediate impact, I think, than his long-term potential. I I, I, I just don't think he's ever going to be a superstar receiver. But uh, I think he's got a fairly well-rounded skill set and does a lot of nice things to a to a good standard. Uh, he gets off the line quite well. He runs some nice routes. He's not the fastest guy, but he can offer enough of a vertical threat that he's not exclusively an underneath guy. He's got good hands, offers something after the catch, and, and he's even got some ability in the air. Like He's not... I, I think it's unlikely he ever becomes a star in this league, but he's probably the guy I am most confident won't bust, if that makes sense.
0: He's definitely the guy I'm most sure about. Um, so he's number one on my big board as well. Okay. and yeah, Which is a bit interesting and not something I sort of anticipated, but his is combination of sure hands, uh, he can, he's got a good release, um, decent route running. He's not a burner by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, no. I think he's actually quite slow.
1: Yeah, no, I think that, that that's that's probably my biggest issue with him is his is his deep speed. Yeah.
0: But he's a, a solid possession guy. Um yeah. and that's that is valuable in the in the NFL. I think he's he's somewhat perhaps a, a, a poor man's Michael Thomas in terms of skill set.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's the, the the comp I had in my head was Demarius Thomas, which I don't think is completely world worlds apart. Maybe a bit smaller. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, he, that, yeah.
0: He's not that big, but you can you can definitely get open in uh in tight coverage because uh, the NFL compared to college, you have to get open in very sort of uh, congested areas.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, he's good at that. He, he he's yeah, he, he's he's probably a good number two receiver is probably his outlook.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, so after him I've got uh DK Metcalf from Old Miss and he's sort of the, the for me the top of uh of a fairly similar group of players. So I've got him and Keel Harry, uh Emmanuel Hall to a certain degree, maybe a bit less so Jalen Smith, Kevin Harmon, AJ Brown, Isaiah Whiteside, side. Uh, they're all guys who you probably heard of. Everyone's heard a fair amount about, and they're all guys with with huge athletic potential. Um, but I think all of them need enough work that I wouldn't be content to take them that early. I, I think Metcalf is probably the most polished of those guys for me, uh, but he he needs to work against press and he has too many drops for you to be really happy with his hands. Uh, the same thing is true of guy like you know particularly. Aj Brown and and and, and Keel Harry. It's about their ability to develop as route runners because at the moment they're able to dominate with athleticism. That just that just won't be true at the next level. Um, but I think that there's some separation in that group. But there there's there's a number of guys in this class who could be great. And there's, there's a chance that probably one of them will be really good. But it's really hard to tell who it will be based on what they've shown so far. Is that is that a fair assessment? I, I I
0: think so. Uh, again, a lot of boom bust guys, uh, yeah. sort of athletic, big. Uh, wide receivers. I think yeah. DK Metcalf is the most boom bust in my opinion because yeah. he's, he he doesn't show consistently good route running, but he shows the potential. He's got I think the hips for it. Yeah, um, I, think, I, think... Got, yeah I think definitely that,
1: got yeah. I think got the long speed as well. Yeah, that, that, that's the the slight concern I have. The reason why I have AJ Brown probably lower than most people do is that whereas DK Metcalf is inconsistent in his route running, AJ Brown just wasn't really asked to separate as a route runner at all, and and I mean these are all guys where it teams the one thing teams can do that we can't do is get them to work out one on one and actually push these things and see not just what they can do but what they have the potential to do and where they just can't do things. And I think with a lot of these guys, teams will really want to spend some time in the gyms just getting getting them to practice these cuts and just seeing whether it's a thing that they weren't taught to do or asked to do or whether it's a thing where they just they just physically can't make those cuts.
0: Yeah. Uh an interesting guy for me is Nikhil Harry. Um because okay. He's he's one of the fastest, I think, of uh, those bigger guys. Yeah, that's um, fair. and he offers something after the catch, and he's got really good hands as well. Yeah, um, know, he, does, he, he, he doesn't does. drop the ball as often as DK Metcalf, for example. No, like, no you just Matt don't see him that. run any routes, really.
1: No, like, <laughs> it's 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 quite concerning. I mean, it's the same yeah. thing true with AJ Brown, I think, as well. It's just yeah. they're they're just more athletic than everyone who's covering them, and they've able, been able to get away with that. But that that won't work at the NFL level.
0: Yeah. Um, of those big guys, you're comparatively low down on uh, JJ or Seaguar White side.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. He did actually do some nice things as a route runner. It's my concern with him is he ran, from what I saw, a really quite limited route tree for the most part. He did do some, you know, some different routes every now and then, but his staple was sort of three or four core routes. And whilst he did run them reasonably well, there's always a concern about someone who's basically been taught to perfect a few things rather than actually having the skills at a, at a wider range of things and uh maybe i'm I, I think he definitely offers immediate value in the red zone i think it, in a way he'd almost be a great pickup for the panthers if he wasn't going to get drafted way higher than i think his value suggests i mean if, if he was there in sort of the third or fourth round i think he actually does offer a, a, makes a sensible option for the panthers it's just that i think he's going to go higher than that um but yeah i, I think if, if if he'd shown he's a guy that I think could rise if i saw more out of him as a route runner like if i mean i, I don't i'm pretty sure it wasn't the senior bowl but if he goes to the combine and is asked to run a few more routes and sort of impresses he's a guy that could you know i i could see him rising in a way where some guys realistically unless they show me something completely different from what they've shown before i i would, I would struggle to see them rising if that makes sense
0: yeah it was quite a, a difficult watch for me because um he flashes things but he just is not asked to do necessarily a lot of different
1: yeah, things. Yeah, I think that's the concern. It's 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 it's, it's the, it, So we were talking about this before we started recording, but it, it's the it's the difference between showing you can't do something and not showing you can do it. And for him, there's a lot of stuff that it wasn't that he showed he couldn't do it, but that he just didn't show that he could. And that's I, I I'm just very hesitant about about jumping to conclusions on what someone can do that they don't show you.
0: I'll be uh, interested to see what he runs for the free con and uh, the short shuttle in the combine. Yeah, because I it's difficult for me yeah. to tell how agile he is and how much or how good he will be at making cuts like the kind he needs to do in the NFL.
1: Yeah, no, yes, no, I think I think yeah, he, he's an intriguing guy. That there, 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 are, there are players who I'm pretty sure aren't going to move up or down my board as the process goes on, but he is, he's in the category of guys who, who I think I could see rising.
0: Okay, um, I think it, one of the the big guys you mentioned was Emmanuel Hall, and you haven't really talked about him, and he's no. quite high on your board. At least yeah. compared to the, the consensus. Um yeah. what do you think of th- as
1: well? Uh, so I think he's he's actually a pretty good route runner, I think. I think he his quickness is really impressive. And I think he uses that reasonably well both to get release and in terms of his his cuts as a route runner. Um I think he's got decent hands and he also offers value off the catch. Um I think I'd I think he's another guy who I think I'd like to see do more things than he was asked to do at Missouri. Um I, I think He's sort of, in my mind, a better version of Arcega-Whiteside in that what he was asked to do, he did pretty well. But I don't think he necessarily did everything. The reason why he's not, you know, ahead of guys like DK Metcalf, say, is because he just wasn't. He wasn't asked to do enough stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm happy projecting him as an, as an elite route runner rather than just a guy who flashes. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, but just to clarify, he, he does different things to JJ uh, J. Arcega-Whiteside. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah They're yeah, just yeah, both yeah. specialists in in some sense. Emmanuel yes. Hall seems to be more of a, a deep route runner.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he's, yeah, he's more he's more of a vertical guy. He's more of a, a fast-twitch kind of uh, flashy guy underneath than our single-white side. So it's more sort of um, technical route running, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think they're both guys who need to show they're not just one-trick ponies.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Emmanuel Hall is being slapped on a little bit. and I wonder how much of that is due to his sort of niggling injury concerns this year. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I- I- I think it's really something we should, I should also point out that, that I don't take any sort of uh, injury or, or feel concerned into account just because I, I don't feel qualified to do that. And therefore, if, if, if you look at the board and think, how could you have him that high? He's got some colossal leg injury. It's, I just don't take that into account at all. I, I, I don't feel that's something I, I feel qualified to do, just to be clear for people.
0: OK. And uh, which of these guys do you think would uh, be realistic targets for the Panthers or, you know, people they may be interested in because of stylistic reasons?
1: So I think Jacoby Myers is an interesting stylistic match in that he's, he's another guy talking about Anthony Johnson not being fast. Jacoby Myers is really not fast. Um, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ran in the 4.6s or 4.7s even at the combine. Like he, he's, he's, it, his, his initial start isn't too slow, so he might be a bit better than that, but he's not, he's not going to be getting over the top of anybody anytime soon. But he is actually a really nice technical route run underneath, maybe not in terms of sort of high-speed cuts, but on sort of actually separating at the route head. He gets decent release off the line. Uh, at times, at least, he's a bit inconsistent in that regard. But he catches the ball really well. He's got some value in the air. He's another guy who's uh, probably never going to be better than a solid possession guy. But I think, given that that sort of fits in what the Panthers needs, his value is probably more day three than someone like Johnson, who's probably going to go day two.
0: Yep. Uh, he just seems like a guy that gets it. Yeah. In terms of what his role is, um, he's he's never going to be a star because he he lacks that juice.
1: Yeah. No. He's he's not a fast guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's decidedly a slow man. For a receiver, anyway. <laughs>
0: And then uh, one big guy that you're very low on, it seems, is Hakeem Butler. Uh, yeah. Probably don't want to spend too long talking on him, but uh, why is that? I just,
1: so he's, he is very long. Like, of, of the people who've been talked about as like big receivers, he is the one who is decidedly the tallest. I think he's listed at 6'5 and he's probably going to measure about that. But he's just, his route running is very lumbered. I mean, the, the issue you get with tall guys it's what the Panthers saw with Calvin Benjamin as well is just when when your legs are that long you can't change direction very quickly and it it does show as a route runner like when he's asked when he's asked to actually separate making as a route runner he, he did struggle and whilst he's a decent athlete I don't think he's if, if you're going to be that that big and you're not going to separate as a route runner you either have to be exceptionally good at contested catches or you have to have really anomalous deep speed and I don't think he does either of those well enough. Like he's he's got good hands, but I don't think he's some sort of ultimate pass grabber who's just going to completely dominate contested catches. Uh, I, I I might be completely wrong, but I, I his route running is really concerning.
0: Yeah, he doesn't really run any routes. Um, I think he's he's decent as a contested catcher. It'll be a bit different to see what he's like against NFL cornerbacks as opposed to Big Twelve cornerbacks who yeah. you know have a few inches. Uh, yes. Under him, um, but he's—he he doesn't seem like a natural hands catcher to me. Even though he does pull in these amazing grabs, sometimes it's just he's really got inconsistent technique catching a ball. Um,
1: okay, no, I'm that wasn't thing I picked up, but you might well be right about that. Yeah,
0: and if, if I think he's—he's he's fairly fast for someone that big. He kind of once he gets his long strides going, he yeah, can, uh, get open deep, but the guy's got no nuance. No,
1: no, it, it's yeah, it, it, it's. There's, there's, there's a lot of things he needs to get better at. If he, you know, there, 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 any, most. There's a lot of developmental guys in this draft class and they all have skills they need to work on, but he's got a lot of things that need to get quite a bit better for him to even get vaguely close to the sort of value that people are talking about.
0: Yeah, I think he's uh, a much worse just Doxson and uh, Doxson isn't necessarily setting the world on fire in the NFL.
1: No, I mean, it's interesting. I remember having this conversation with someone at the Combine last year with, with Doxson that it was kind of... A lot of that was actually the limitations of, of the players around him. Like I think I think Dotson is possibly a bit underrated, according to the media people in 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 Washington. About you know he's probably better than than his production shows, but I, I think he was a significantly better player than Hakeem Butler.
0: Yeah, agreed on that. Yeah, who do you want yeah. to talk about next?
1: Um, I think Deontay Johnson's a guy I want to talk about a little bit in terms of yeah. if, you want, if you want a positive, if you want someone who 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 is exciting. In 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 many ways is Deontay Johnson from Toledo, who's my number three receiver. And he's he's 5'11, 180. Like he's not he, he's possibly gonna be slot limited, but he he's his quickness is just really exciting. And not only that, he uses it well technically. Like it, his his release from press is possibly the best in this draft class, I'd say. Um whilst his hands are sometimes a bit iffy in that regard, the speed with which he is able to get upfield. The first his ability to get vertical separation really quickly in those first three or four steps, and then use that separation not just to get deep, but to then use it as an advantage in his routes, is really exciting. Um, the downsides are that one, he's quite small, and that is going to limit him potentially. But also, he, he went to Toledo, and they ran about five routes, um, so there is the same concern that you get with guys like White Side and others, where it's you know he, he's going to have a learning, a, a steep learning curve. Um, learning a full NFL route tree, but he, his his ability to make to maintain momentum making high speed cuts is really exciting
0: yeah I'm glad you mentioned his release because I've never seen a guy sort of burst off a line of scrimmage like he does
1: it's just really fun to watch isn't it it's just it, it like it doesn't make him a perfect receiver and there's a reason why he's not number one but but it is really really exciting to watch him get off the line
0: yeah I think he's a high upside guy mm. um because he, he hasn't got everything put together right now, I'd say. But no, his ability no. to uh, make cuts, at least his understanding of, of, of route running, uh, seems to be good enough to suggest that he could actually become a really good player.
1: Yeah, no, I think he's. I think the, the, the best case scenario I saw for him was sort of Emmanuel Sanders, who's again like not the biggest guy and and isn't going to be the complete receiver, but does some really nice things as a technician and just gets could just get open consistently against, against man coverage and that's just so valuable. Even, even if he's slot limited, even if he only ever plays in the slot if you can just get open consistently against man, that's just, his ceiling is really high I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. How do you compare to someone like Debo Samuel in your opinion?
1: So I have Samuel a bit lower um, not, not miles lower but, but a bit lower. I think, I know so I was, I, I, I'm, Samuel's a guy, another guy who could rise a bit because I saw some fairly promising stuff in the senior bowl. Not amazing stuff but, but promising stuff. Um, so he wasn't really asked to release against press that much in college and wasn't hugely emphatic when he was asked to. And and there's a clip I saw from the senior bowl which people were sort of ranting, raving about. And I think it's still, his feet are quite quick and he does potentially have the ability to get quite good at that. But a lot of it is wasted motion. He spends a lot of time um, making lots of fast steps that don't really do anything. He didn't. He doesn't convince me that he really... Understands how he's meant to get open as a route runner. He's just relying on the fact that he's got really fast change of direction, and maybe you can coach that into him. And maybe you, maybe you can teach him the understanding of how the routes get him open. Um, but I, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical about that. And also, I mean, like you mentioned this the other day that he, he's a he's an older receiver, and there is always that concern that about how much how much is a guy who is going to continue to develop if you draft him at sort of 23. I think he said he's 23 now, so he's not 24, 25. So that's a bit bit better. But he's a guy who has enough to work on. The, I And I, I don't think his ceiling is that of an elite receiver. I think his ceiling is that of a good receiver. And given the number of questions he has to answer to get to that stage, I, I'm a little bit hesitant to take him higher than, say, the, the mid-third round. Say.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's reasonable. He has some interesting tools in his arsenal. Um, I think he is, his catch radius is better than his height suggests. He's got yeah. pretty good hands. Um, I think his vision after the catch is the best in the class. Okay. Yeah, I think supposed to be fair. You know, I think there are other guys who are, are faster, uh, Marquise Brown for one, but in terms of being able to get yards that aren't necessarily there, um, he's, he's definitely the best. Um, I, I, I don't think he's as precise um, in his routes as someone like uh, Deontay Johnson, I would say. No. I, I, yeah,
1: I think Johnson's a better route, runner.
0: Right? Yeah. But, but Debo's a guy I'll be uh, interested to see how well he does in, in the NFL.
1: Yeah, yeah no, no. you certainly um, you can see him being quite a good player it's, it's just you're not so sure he's going to be that, that you're willing to take him that high
0: Yeah, um, I've mentioned him but I'll, I'll bring it up now, Marquise Brown what are your thoughts? Because he's, he's someone who seems like might go in the first round or at least that's a bit of a hype, probably more likely the second round, but uh, yeah. at least the guy that goes high in this class
1: Yeah, so I, I think I've got a third round it might even be fourth round grading him, I'll have to check it, it, it's sort of on that borderline um, I think he's in the I talked about the big physical athletic project guys um a bit earlier he's in sort of the second class of project guys which is the sort of the slightly smaller sort of more pure vertical threat guys so if you're looking at the top of this class those guys for me are darius slayton hollywood brown and paris campbell potentially i think paris campbell's maybe not quite as fast but he's, he's still pretty quick but they're all guys who their their biggest skill is their ability to get vertical quickly um and then for me, when they start to separate out is whether they're able to do more with that than what they, they show, you no know, than just doing that. So the reason why I've got Slayton ahead of Hollywood Brown is because although Slayton hardly ran a particularly broad route tree at, at, at Auburn, he at least showed the ability to use his speed far more consistently to separate. My, my concern with someone like Hollywood Brown is that he's his route running doesn't show a great understanding of how to use his speed to get open. I think that there's there's a touchdown he caught. Uh, I think it might have been against UCLA. I can't remember who it was against off the top of my head where he ran sort of a stutter and go, sort of drag over the top. And he, his stutter just doesn't... For someone who's that fast, he should be able to use a cut back to the quarterback to really force defenders over the top to bite. But he just doesn't, he doesn't use it in a way you want to actually create that separation. He, he's, he's so The speed with which he gets back vertical after his, his breakdown means that the, the, the guy over the top just doesn't commit enough before he comes back vertical and is able to readjust to the vertical route. It, 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 it's a thing you see a lot in, in college guys where they they run the route because they're told to run the route. They don't necessarily understand how the route is meant to get them open, and I I think that's a bit concerning for him. I think also he's you know talked about um, Deontay Johnson potentially being slot limited. I think Hollywood Brown is is definitely slot limited. I can't see him playing on the outside of the NFL um, very much unless someone's playing off him and he's not being pressed at all. But uh, I, I I think he could be a reasonably valuable player. I, I think he'll struggle to be a star in the NFL.
0: One thing uh, we're at a disadvantage to compared to the NFL is we can't bring guys in for, uh, you know, interviews, et cetera, yeah, yeah. to try and figure out how much they understand, you know, what they're doing, why they're doing it.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's. I mean, not, well, it's not that crucial, but you know, when we get to things like quarterback later on, I mean, understanding not just what a player does, but why they're doing it and whether that's because their coach told them to or because that's what they understand to be the right thing to do is is really important. Because all of these guys will have to improve at the NFL level. Like n- Almost no prospects enter the NFL as fully rounded guys. And it, it is going to be really important for all of these guys, regardless of where they're on the board, to continue to get better as they reach the NFL.
0: Yeah. I mean, one interesting thought experiment is, you know, what would Deontay Johnson uh, be like if you put him in Oklahoma's team? And uh, if you put Hollywood Brown in Toledo, you know, yeah. what would that production be like? Because Marquise Brown was the most open receiver um, consistently that I saw when I was watching his tape. Um, okay. And I don't think it's necessarily because of him.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. Oklahoma's offense is pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, not to go on a massive tangent, but one of the um, one of the things that made me really hesitate about um, Baker Mayfield last year was just the fact that given how open his, you know, given how much talent he had around him, he could almost have been even more productive. That, you know, He had wide receivers running, everywhere the entire time last you know, yep. not year before last and, and it's hard then to judge how much of that is the receivers and how much of that is just the breadth of talent makes it so hard for, for teams to defend that particularly when you've got a good offensive mind yeah
0: that's definitely very true yeah and and one other thought uh, before we move on from uh, hollywood brown is speed is more important for wide receivers in college than it is in the nfl in my opinion uh big plays okay. happen more frequently yeah you know, the so... defensive backs are worse Yeah, there are lots of guys who, you know, ran four threes as wide receivers that didn't really make it in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I think you also have to, I think I mentioned this briefly earlier, but you do also have to make sure that the speed they run at the combine, you can really see on tape. Um, I think this is my sort of concern with John Ross, who ran the fastest ever 40 at the combine. And when you watch him on tape, he's fast, but he's not the fastest receiver I've ever seen fast. And you then think, okay, great, his testing speed's good, but does his tape speed actually really match? the number he's going to put up at the Combine. And I think Brown does have really, really good deep speed. He is the fastest receiver in this class, in my mind. Yeah. But if he runs something like a... Even, even if he went and ran like a 4 one eight at the Combine, which would you know be completely ridiculous, I don't think he shows that kind of speed on tape. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's largely... I mean, uh, we haven't mentioned guys like Kevin Harmon particularly, but I think they they largely fall into that category with AJ Brown and, uh, and Kielo mm-hmm. Harry and the like. I think he's, he's similar to Brown in that um, it, there's there's some things to like, but there's also some there's a big gap between where he is and where his projection suggests he could be, and and it's quite hard to to assume how much of that that growth he's going to make.
0: Yeah, I think Harmon has better hands and uh, is more likely to dominate at a catch point than than Brown. Brown's a bit weird because he, he sort of plays like a smaller wide receiver than his yeah. listed
1: size. Yeah, they used him the slot a lot at, at Old Miss. It was interesting yeah. to see. I mean, I mean, the one thing I would say with there's three Ole Miss receivers coming out this year uh, who I've got at various points on the draft board. It, Ole Miss's offense is is really hard to scout guys on, not just at receiver, but all over the place. And it will be interesting to see how teams rank those three guys based on the fact that they were used one very differently at times, but also not always particularly efficiently. Yep.
0: Um, yeah. One last point in Harmon. I think he's actually really strong. Um, okay. So- Sort of uh, Treadwell type. Well, not not as strong, I'd say, as Treadwell. Um, but I I think bodes well for uh, his progression to the NFL. Is there anyone else you want to talk about? before um, we wrap things up?
1: I mean, there are some guys I quite like. I, th- I think I think Keyshawn Johnson's probably starting to get, rise a little bit. I think he's. I saw him get quite a lot of love at the, the Senior Bowl. Um, so he's someone who who could rise into that sort of actually reasonably high day two conversation, potentially. I don't think he's worth that, but I think that's potentially where he could rise to. Um, uh, No, yeah. The only other guy who I kind of, I I find quite interesting to see how he works out is Hunter Renfro, Mm -hmm. if only because he's, he's very much of a type, you know, that there's the Adam Humphreys, Ryan Switzer, um, maybe even Tyler Boyd's quite a bit bigger, Uh, but that, that sort of really undersized, definitely slot only guy, who isn't particularly fast, is never going to get vertical, but it's all about quickness and route running and good hands. Uh, and it's almost like that, that sort of a, a slot-only undersized possession receiver. And there is very definitely a value for that. And they can be really effective players in certain offences particularly. But the question is, one, can you find an offence where that skill set is maximised? And and also, um, you know, are they going to be able to be quite so consistent. I mean, like Jarius Wright is a reasonably good comparison if you're looking at a Panthers point of view. I mean, I don't think Remenford would make that much sense for the Panthers for that perspective, but it is that kind of guy who can line up in the slot and and offer you that third down kind of chain-moving option that, that some teams might really, really like. And particularly, eventually see where it goes to the Texans, actually, just because of the connection with Watson. And whilst I don't think that's massively important, that's definitely been shown in the past that NFL teams do think in that way and do if there's someone who a quarterback really liked in college they do have a tendency to sort of start trying to see if they can bring those guys around just to sort of offer another option in that regard and actually to be fair he would fit in quite well with the Texans or Texans other receivers so that wouldn't actually be the worst pick in the world in say the, the yep. beginning of the yep. fourth round Yeah there are a lot
0: of guys with specialised skill sets and really it's up to the teams utilising their skill sets appropriately um, yeah. there isn't an all around kind of plug and play guy No I think, so. I think that's
1: the biggest takeaway that there is, there is if you look if you're a team that's really looking for a superstar receiver, you're either going to have to take a big risk or you're going to be very disappointed.
0: Yep. Yeah. They'll. I mean, they'll probably end up being uh, a very good wide receiver coming out of this class, but I have no idea who
1: it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that, that's the infuriating thing. There's kind of there's a handful of guys that you go Like one of these guys is going to be really good, but I don't, for the life of me, know which one it's going to be. And unless you can work them out extensively and really t- test that route running, I don't think there is a way of knowing.
0: Yep. Uh, one last guy I want to talk about. Uh, before we wrap up, is Riley Ridley. Okay. Um, and I think I'm a bit higher on him than, than you are. Um, yeah. I don't think he's a superstar. Uh, I, I, I think he lacks some speed, uh, lacks some acceleration, but he's someone who seems to understand the nuances um, of making his cuts, um, separating at the line of scrimmage. Uh, decent uh, hands catcher. Yeah, no,
1: he's, he's got good hands. I think, I think my, my concern with him is so I, I a game that made me really quite concerned was the L S U game this year, where he, at least for the first half, was largely matched up against um Greedy Williams, who's probably going to be the, one of the top corners taken this year. Um and don't get me wrong, Greedy Williams is a very good corner, but Ryan Ridney did not get open even slightly, being covered man to man. He just just although he's got some decent nuances as a route runner, he's he's changed of direction his athletic limitations were such that Williams wasn't even pressed to shut him down. Mm-hmm. I think his only his only catch in the first half I think was, was a a a, a zone beater uh, running across the field and that you know other than that he just and it wasn't just that he wasn't getting through in the ball he just wasn't he was making breaks back to the quarterback that were perfectly technically fine but he just couldn't do it fast enough to actually create any separation and I, I my concern with him is I don't think he's so polished that he's going to come in and contribute immediately but I also don't think he's got a massively high ceiling and I'm not I'm not yeah we're talking about the value to start with he's a guy where I just I don't think the skill set actually amounts to a value that you'd kind of think it would. Like the um, the guy I've got in mind is the... Uh, there was a Virginia Tech receiver uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I think his name was Phillips. I can't totally remember. Uh, and it was a game where he was he did a lot of things okay, but the actual sum of his qualities wasn't enough for him to ever really create much value and went undrafted as a result. Are you thinking of uh, Ford? Ford? Possibly. I, I can't remember, exactly. I'm yeah. a bit of a blank on his name. But, but it is that kind of where actually the whole is less than the sum of the parts. Yeah. And and sometimes it's the complete opposite. But it, it's kind of the doing a lot of things OK at the NFL is actually not very valuable at all. Whereas doing, you need to do a lot of things quite well or a few things very well. Doing Just, just being OK at a number of things is just eminently replaceable. It, it's yeah. kind of like, you know... From a Panthers' point of view, um, Brenton Burson actually was not a terrible player, but he was highly, highly replaceable, and was definitely not going to draft him very high. Even though he actually didn't, there weren't many things he didn't do that he did badly. He just didn't do enough things well to to really create much value. Yep,
0: I think I saw Riley Ridley projected uh, in the first round in one mock draft.
1: I uh, would be very no. disappointed if my team did that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, that is definitely far richer than yeah. like
0: it's but, not
1: just. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that that's so much richer than where I have them. Where it's not just yeah, you know, yeah. We've got a bit of a, you. Know, realistically, there will be guys taken higher than I have them ranked, and that's kind of fine because there is a bit where this is probably quite a weak draft class, and there is going to be an inflation of value. But if you're taking it here in the first, I think that's just that that's bad pick territory rather than inflated value territory.
0: Yeah, I still like
1: him, but not that much. <laughs> so where do you have him out of interest as a, as a grade? Um,
0: so let me get it up. I have him seventh. Seventh. Okay, that's a
1: lot higher than I have them. Okay, yeah, but yeah, yeah.
0: well, I've also watched a lot fewer guys than you have. Yeah, but so I uh, yeah focused on the, the the guys projected to go in the top four rounds.
1: Okay, no, I, I must admit, I, I, I it's one of those things where I, I I will try and watch more tape of guys as we get closer. And that like on a bit of a tangent, but Andy Isabella is a guy who I haven't watched that much tape of and have relatively low, but. I think I'd be interested to see how he, you know, if I can, if more tape comes available, or I see some more senior bowl tape. That there are these aren't this, is, this board isn't sort of a finished product. They will it will change as we get close to the draft, and it is worth sort of checking back in in a few weeks time just to see how it has changed. But yeah, I, I will try and I will try and watch more Ridley. But I just I, I could see him being the kind of guy who sticks around the NFL roster for a number of years and does almost nothing. He he could be he could be the number five receiver on a load of teams, but I'm just not sure that has much value. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we did. We did yeah, it's, it's one of those things. We, there are guys we disagree on. I just, I, I must admit it's There are occasionally guys I just, I just can't see it.
0: I mean, I don't disagree that much. I think the hot take here is I don't like this wide receiver class, and Riley Gregory's yeah. number seven.
1: <laughs> yes. No. I, I think. I really can't stress this is probably the worst receiver class for a decade. I, I, that sounds massively hyperbolic and extreme, but certainly at the top end, I cannot think of a worse receiver class since, you know, I know you're then having debates about whether, you know, um, oh, God, what's his name? The guy who played for the Cowboys for years, Des Bryant. Whether You know, Des Bryant was 2009, I think, and that's possibly the yeah. the last draft class where, I def- where I'm not sure there, whether there was someone who was better than this class or not. I mean, it, it, this is a really poor top-end receiver class, which is probably quite good for the Panthers. But th- this, yeah, there's 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 nobody in this class who I would put money on being a star. Nope.
0: No. And you're a betting man, aren't you? You love to gamble away, don't you?
1: I, I yeah, I don't. I, I'm very much a fan of the uh, the Peter Cook School of Gambling, uh, which is you know, bet on the team you want to to, to lose because at least that way you get something out of it if they if they win. Um, but yeah, no, I, I oh. Yeah, no. I, this is a really bad receiver class. I, it, it, I, I'm trying not to sort of bang on about it, but this there will be there will be receivers who aren't bad from this class, uh, and there will be possibly even receivers who are really good. But it, it's it's the it's the kind of class where you look back in five years' time and you reckon most of the people taking the first three rounds have disappointed, probably yep. quite significantly.
0: Yep, yep. the The first round will be interesting to see because I don't really think any wide receiver in this year's class should go in the first round, but you know, inevitably there will
1: be a couple of guys. So I, th- I think I, I did look back and I think in 2008 there was no receiver taken in the first round wow. and it will, be, and, and, and this could possibly, I think the top receiver that year was Jordy Nelson high in the second. Um, we were obviously sort of probably overachieved based on that draft value, but mm-hmm. I can't remember him as a prospect. I was quite young when that happened, if I'm honest, um, but it, it, it will be, it'll be interesting to see how it does fall out in terms of draft day, because it, it's, I mean, for the Panthers, it'd be great if the first two rounds are really receiver heavy, because that's probably teams wasting picks. But it, it, if, It'll be interesting to see what, how teams inflate players and, and whether they inflate them and how much they inflate them. And yeah. and whether whether there is a particular team or two that have a tendency to really inflate players and whether it is just whether it's teams who just clearly desperate I mean, like the great example is the Raiders really, really need receivers. And this is a bad receiver free agency class and a bad receiver draft yeah. class. And it'll be interesting to see whether they either take a shotgun approach on day two of the draft and just take three guys that we've you know, take Know two or three of the people we've got in sort of this third, fourth round category, and just hope that one of them works out or whether. I mean, people talk about Antonio Brown being traded. The Raiders are, are you know, they really need receivers and they have that's a really lot of draft assets.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've just got the, the 2008 NFL draft up on Wikipedia just out of interest. So no guys in the first round, uh, no wide receivers in the first round, Yeah, 10 in the second round. Oh, um, the two of nice. note being Jordy Nelson and Deshaun Jackson then a lot of middling players, essentially. But you get Pierre Garçon in the sixth round. Yeah. No, so this um, draft might be a bit similar in terms of, hey, you might get Pierre Garçon in the sixth round, just he's called something else and he went to a different college. To,
1: to talk, talk, like, talking about Pierre Garçon, Anthony Johnson is not that dissimilar to Pierre Garçon. Like, if, 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 you know, I know I said that we talked about the various Thomas comps, but you know, yeah. th- there are guys in this class, and maybe even someone like Jacoby Myers, I don't think he's quite as good as Pierre Garçon, but there are guys who can probably... Office. there's probably far better value when you get to day three of the draft and someone will have fallen someone who you know who is actually probably quite good people have just missed out on yep. um but yeah the draft classes are weird i think that's the takeaway i've got every year it's just you look at it and go how did nobody draft that person until then and then you always get the other one which is the how did that person go in the first round
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely
1: the hayden hursts of the world i still i must i just <laughs> I know not keep banging on about it, but I, that pick just baffles me. I cannot possibly see what they thought they were getting. Like, I, I can't see where for a guy who was twenty-five as a rookie, he is neither polished nor has a high ceiling. And I just do—I cannot for the life of me see what what the what the Ravens thought they were getting in Haydenhurst. It's well, he's—I think probably the most confusing pick I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, definitely a head scratcher. Weird.
1: Uh, yeah, I that's the takeaway I get every year: is that teams make some weird decisions.
0: But it is difficult. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's very it's really, hard.
1: It's really—I mean, it, like, I know people will sort of say. Some people will say it's it's sort of scientific. It's really not. It, 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 it's it's like I think if not to keep rambling on, but if you want one takeaway from 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 this podcast over the course of you know the next few months, there's there's just a huge amount of uncertainty that goes into all this, and it, it is fundamentally everyone's opinion. And I mean, we have different views between the two of us, and we have different views to a lot of people out there, but. It, it's, there are some things you can probably point to and say this is probably not true and this is probably definitely true but there are a lot of unknowns that go into this and it, it is always interesting to look back a few years time and sort of see how it all shook out and even then I think the thing that people always underrate is is how much people improve when they get to the NFL and how much that that depends on coaching I mean you know if any of these guys end up with a receiver coach who is just completely incompetent that can completely kill their career uh, and vice versa there'll be some guys who maybe aren't that talented but if they get coached up really well can probably be better than their talent would have suggested and that i mean if you don't understand why the good teams keep staying good it's because they're able to to make players better than 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 their talent suggests and others ruin talented players
0: yep coaching and uh, scheme fit definitely important
1: yeah and that's 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 the issue that you get when you're trying to you talk about the value but even between players it's so hard to take that out when you look at player performance uh, I think that's, that's that's a massive takeaway I've had from the last few years, that, that player performance is just so intrinsically linked with scheme and coaching. Okay. Anyway, should we start wrapping things up as we are starting to, to ramble on and talk about yeah, things that definitely aren't to do with receivers?
0: What content are you putting up on the Riot Report?
1: So there's going to be the big board will come up. I don't know when that's going to come out in terms of before or after this podcast. Um, we're also I'm also going to do uh, profiles on Deontay Johnson, who I've talked about a fair amount, uh, Jacoby Myers, um and Jalen Smith, who is one of that cluster of sort of high ceiling, low floor, big athletic guys. I mean, just, you know, I know we've seen this before earlier, but he's one of those guys where there is one thing he just does really, really badly, and if he can fix that, it will massively increase his value. But there are a number of guys like that where there's just, there's there's one obvious red flag, and it's just a question of whether they can fix that or not will hugely determine their value in, in the NFL.
0: Bit of clickbait here. Read the article to find out what he's really, really, really bad at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, it should be obvious. I mean, but have a, yeah, have a read and see what you think.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, in terms of going forwards, uh, th- this, you know, we'll sort of wrap up receiver week. I think those, those, those there'll be some other stuff on the NF, uh the right report website in terms of free agency and looking at who the Panthers have got in more detail um, that that's not stuff I've been doing, but, but that's definitely worth looking at as well. Um, and then next week, I think we're on to the linebackers. So that'll be, the, the the three four no sorry the four three outside linebackers and the inside linebackers. So that'll be what we'll be looking at next weekend. Um Dan, have you got any other thoughts?
0: Uh no, not really. Uh, thank you guys for listening in. Thank you, Vincent, for uh, rambling on as always about <laughs> guys and what your thoughts are.
1: Uh, it's always a pleasure. Always fun. Anyway, we will see you next week. Uh, have a good week and see you then.